0: So this week, um, Josh and I, we got some new shelves, which is very exciting, I know. Um, A friend's father made them for us from old reclaimed timber, so when we got them, they were just bare wood. And so we've had to treat them for borer, we've had to fill the holes, and then we've had to sand them and varnish them before we could actually put them onto the walls um, in the lounge. And so, I mean, as I said, it's exciting stuff. Um, but a byproduct of treating and filling and varnishing this wood is that everything, every one of these like products you're putting on it, it of course comes with its own unique, lovely smell. And so it can be quite potent and it can linger a little bit, especially the um, especially the filler. That was the worst one. So on Wednesday afternoon I thought I'd open up the doors and the windows, you know, let a bit of a breeze blow through and hopefully move on the smell that was lingering. And then I sat on the couch with a cup of tea, and I resumed my work, but I couldn't help but get distracted. I could see one of our plants, which is a hanging one, hangs in the corner of the dining room, and it was twisting and turning around. And I could see the trees out behind our house bending and swaying. I could see their leaves being rustled about. I could see the blinds swinging back and forth across the windows. And I could see the pages of the book that I was looking at rustle and lift up. And I could see the light of the sunshine brighten and dim as clouds must have moved quickly across it again and again. And I could hear the leaves of the hanging plant brushing up against the wall every time it twisted and I could hear the leaves of the trees being rustled, and I could hear the blinds as they banged against the windowsills, I could hear the books' pages fluttering as they lifted, and I could hear the whoosh of the air. Later, I went outside to hang out some washing, and I could feel my hair being whipped around my face. And as I tried to peg the items down, I could feel the tug as the legs of the pants went flailing in the air. And I could feel the coolness on my skin. And I could feel the satisfaction of knowing this was a good time to be drying washing. Wednesday afternoon was a windy one, and I know it was a windy one because of these things that I saw, the things that I heard and the things that I felt. I could also tell that it was a windy one because my weather app was telling me there was fresh southwesterly gusts blowing up to 29 kilometers per hour at some stages. Wednesday afternoon was a windy afternoon. And now I'm no expert on the wind, not at all, but it is something that we talk about a lot in our house because Josh is a keen fisherman and likes to keep his eye on the fishing weather which revolves a lot around the wind. He has apps and websites that he visits, which tell him um, what the wind's going to be like, what the swell's going to be like, um, what the conditions will be like. And you know, how will the fish be enjoying their days? Last weekend, we attended a friend's wedding, so Josh couldn't go fishing, even though the conditions were near perfect. Yet this weekend, he did get to go fishing, but the conditions were far from perfect, and he had to... Because of the wind, he had to cut his fishing weekend short. In order to go fishing, Josh is reliant on the wind being accommodating because the nature of the wind changes the nature of everything it encounters. On Wednesday afternoon, I couldn't have taken a photo of the wind itself to prove that it was there, but I could have taken a photo for you of trees bent over of the hanging plant swinging off kilter. I couldn't have pointed to the sky and say, look, here comes the wind. But I could have recorded the sound of the whoosh in the air that it makes as it moves past things, or the sound of the leaves on the trees rustling. I couldn't have taken a sample of the wind and kept it in a jar, but I could have brought you outside with me to feel the wind whip your hair around, and to feel the coolness on your skin. I couldn't have given you a sample of the wind itself, but what I could have given you were samples of how the wind was interacting with everything that it encountered. And when Josh goes fishing, he keeps an eye on the forecasted wind, not just to judge how refreshing the breeze might be for them, but to judge how big the swell might be, what the current might be like. Will it be choppy when the wind meets the waves and the ocean? He keeps an eye on the forecasted wind in order to preempt the conditions of the day, because the nature of the wind changes the nature of everything that it encounters. And in light of this, how significant is it that the root words used throughout scripture to describe the winds, which is Rua in the Old Testament Hebrew and Numa in the New Testament Greek, they are the very same words that are used to name the spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're committing this time to learning more about you, to hearing from you, to seeing you, to learning how your movements interact with the things of this world. So Holy Spirit, as we listen this morning, would you speak? And would we get to know a little bit more about your nature, as the nature of you changes everything around it? Amen. mean. If you'd like to turn with me now, we're going to read this morning from Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 to 14. It's also going to go on the screen if you need it. But this passage describes the prophet Ezekiel and his vision of a valley of dry old bones. Starting with verse 1, the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. This passage is one of the ones that were you learning to read Hebrew, it would probably be quite confusing because for spirit, breath, and wind, the same root word, ruah, is used. The spirit is ruah, the breath is ruah, and the wind is ruah also. In this account from Ezekiel 37, we have Ezekiel the prophet and we have the Spirit of the Lord and a whole valley of dry old bones. And the passage makes clear to us that Ezekiel is the Son of Man and that the Spirit is of the Lord. These are important distinctions to note. Because when it comes to bringing a valley of old dry bones back to life, Ezekiel's probably pretty sure that he's not the right person to do it. And he shows that with his response to the Spirit when he says, Oh Lord, only you know about that. And just as Ezekiel assumed, the Spirit of the Lord did know a thing or two about bringing old bones back to life. But instead of just putting on a show, allowing Ezekiel to sit back in awe and wonder and to observe the awesome work that was going to happen before him, he called, the Spirit of the Lord called upon Ezekiel to assist him and to step in. Ezekiel was the one who was given the words to speak to the bones. Ezekiel was the one who watched as the bones formed skeletons, grew flesh and muscles and were wrapped in skin. Then Ezekiel again was the one given more words to speak to the bodies and to call upon the four winds to breathe life into them. And then Ezekiel watched again as life-giving breath, ruah, flowed through the bodies and they rose up and stood as a great army. Ezekiel, son of man, not only watched this great scene unfold before him, but was also invited to be a part of it. But let's not spend, let's not spend even a moment thinking that Ezekiel played a bigger role in this account than what he actually did. The spirit of the Lord asked him, can these old dry bones come back to life again? And imagine if Ezekiel had said, well, Lord, you know, let me crack into it and I'll see how I get on. Ezekiel could have willed, more than any man in his life has ever willed, that these dry bones would come back to life and nothing would have happened. He could have run off to medical school and poured his whole life into study and training, then attempted to surgically reattach these bones into skeletons like you would with Lego, but still they're never going to have lived. Ezekiel could have gotten his first aid certificate and come back to them and breathed his own breath into them and pumped their no longer existing hearts with his own hands and they would not have been any more alive than that very moment he saw them. Ezekiel could have called together the entire world to help him bring these bones to life and even with the very brightest minds that this world can offer nothing, nothing would have happened without the power of the Spirit of the Lord. In these moments, when Ezekiel spoke to the bones and then spoke to the bodies, he did it in complete faith. And he probably did it in a bit of bewilderment too, not really understanding the words himself as they came from his mouth, but he spoke in complete faith and in complete reliance on the Spirit of God to do what he knew that he had no hope of doing. The passage finishes with verse 14. I will put my Spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. The Sovereign Lord will put his Spirit, his ruah, in each of them. His life-giving breath, his ruah, he will breathe into them. The sovereign Lord will come to them like the wind, like the ruah, and bring life, and they will live again. Walter Brueggemann, who's a famous Old Testament scholar, he says this of the spirit. The Bible struggles to find adequate vocabulary to speak about and name this unutterable, irresistible, undomesticated force that surges into history to liberate, heal, remake and transform. We are left with this code term ruach to speak about what we know but cannot say. Just as with the wind, I can't take a photo of the Spirit to prove that it's here or there. I can't point off into the sky and say, look, here comes the Spirit. And I can't take a sample of the Spirit and keep it in a jar for show and tell or to show you later. But just like Josh keeps an eye on the wind forecast when he's fishing, so that he can know and predict how it will interact with and affect the ocean. We must keep an eye out and an ear out for the Spirit, so that we may anticipate where it will meet us next, because the nature of the Spirit changes the nature of everything that it encounters. Scripture has given us this metaphor of the wind, so that we might learn to look out for what we can't see, so that we might learn to listen for what sometimes can only be heard in the smallest whisper, and so that we might learn to recognise what sometimes is only felt in the most gentle nudge. Because the Spirit doesn't leave a trail of fairy dust behind it as it works. Instead, it leaves a trail of changed lives, a trail of freedom, a trail of healing, a trail of reformation, and a trail of transformation. And we recognize this when we see the fruits of the Spirit expressed in people's lives and in communities, which the Passion Translation of the Bible says is divine love in all its varied expressions joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. And what Ezekiel saw that day was freedom, as that which was dead was freed from its grave, and he heard the old dry bones begin to rattle. Ezekiel saw healing as the bones gathered again to form the skeletons they once were. Ezekiel saw reformation as the skeletons received new flesh, new muscles, and new skin where the old had rotted and fallen away. And Ezekiel saw transformation as lifeless bodies which lay on the ground received new breath and stood up as a mighty army filled with the power of the Spirit of the Lord. John 3 verse 8, a verse that we read last week in the story of Jesus and Nicodemus says, The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. The wind is a fickle force. It really does seem to blow just wherever it wants, regardless of the plans you've made for the day. Right, Josh? And though you can hear the wind, you can't see it, We can't tell exactly where it's coming from, or exactly where it's blowing to. And just like the wind is completely out of our control, and we can't dictate a thing to it, so it is with being born of the Spirit. The wind does what it wants, and what we know of the wind is simply the way that it interacts with everything that it encounters. We know the wind by what it does to the trees, by how it dries our clothes on the washing line, by how it moves whatever's in its path. And we can't change that. We can't do anything about the way that the wind moves besides removing ourselves from the wind. We can head inside, shut doors and windows so that the wind can't touch us. If we're outside, we can tuck ourselves behind a wall, or a fence, or a barricade, so that we can't feel the wind, or at least our experience of it is lessened. You can even turn your back to the wind, and while that doesn't mean that you're out of the wind, sometimes it just lessens its impact. And did you know that all too often we're doing these same things with the Spirit? The Spirit has been gifted to us and lives within us just as Jesus promised. And as Walter Brueggemann described it, the Spirit is an unutterable, irresistible, undomesticated force which surges into our history and into our lives and forward into our future. The Spirit is a gift to us, but it is not something that we get to be the keeper of or controller of. The Spirit is far too big for us, far too powerful for us, far too indescribable for us to keep or control, yet we have been invited to receive it as a precious gift that we can rely and depend upon. Because while the Spirit is like the rushing wind that came at Pentecost, the undomesticated force, it is also the gentle breath of life, that was breathed into a valley of old dry bones so that they could live again as an army. But let us not spend even a moment thinking that we play a bigger role in the Spirit's movements than what we do. We can't start or stop the Spirit from moving. We can simply get in or get out of the way. If we don't want to be bothered by the Spirit, we can lock ourselves inside. We can tuck ourselves behind a wall or a barricade. We can turn our backs to its movements. If you want to, you can live a life unchanged by the Spirit. Just simply don't put yourself in the way of its encounter. Because the nature of the Spirit will change the nature of everything that it encounters. But if you do want to live a life of freedom, a life of healing, a life of reformation and of transformation, you're going to have to step out into the path of the Spirit. You're going to have to put yourself in the way of its encounter. Because without the Spirit of God, we can will and wish and pray and hope that we will become free, that we will be healed, that we will be remade, that we will be transformed. But nothing is ever going to actually happen unless we give ourselves over and allow the nature of the Spirit to change our very nature as it encounters us. Ezekiel was powerless in that valley without the Spirit of the Lord. And in the same way, we are powerless as followers of Jesus in this life without the Spirit of the Lord. We are not the changing force. We're simply the trees that get bent and that sway. We are not the changing force. We are simply the ones to be changed by the invisible and indescribable Spirit of God. So let's step in. Let's put ourselves out there. Let's get in the way of the Spirit. Let's allow the cool, refreshing breeze of ruah, the wind, the breath, the Spirit to blow by us and around us, above us, below us, through us, and let us find freedom, find healing, find reformation and transformation. Let's humbly put ourselves in the way of where the Spirit of the Lord is because we aren't going anywhere without him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you fill us with boldness, that we might step into your path, that we might allow ourselves to be bent and swayed in your wind, that we might listen carefully for your quiet whisper, or that we might be aware to feel your gentle nudge. But Spirit, give us boldness so that we might do these things, so that we might practice these things every day until they become more natural, more doable. But Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that without you, we can't follow Christ to our full potential. Without you, we can't do the things that we've been called to do. So fill us, Holy Spirit. Breathe deeply within us so that we may be filled with your power and your life, and that we might be bold to step out, to put ourselves in the way of your path, and to invite others into that path with us. Holy Spirit, we give this time to you and we ask that you move and speak. Amen. We're going to end now with a little bit more worship, but also just a bit more quiet time for you to respond this morning. As always, I'll be available to pray with you if you need, as will the elders and as will those around you. So please examine yourselves. Are you hiding from the wind? Are you hiding from the Spirit? Why is that? Take these questions before God and allow Him to speak to you this morning.